Thank you, Lord. Thank you that your word is true, Lord. We stand on your word. We stand on the goodness of your promises. Such a great promise in Romans chapter 8. I want to read to us. It's an extended section of scripture, but I believe it's encouraging to us. So where you, wherever you are right now, in, in your home, with your family, listen to God's word. Romans chapter 8. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole of creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes what he sees? But if we hope, we hope for what we do not see. We wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who, inter- who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God, from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is God's word to us, that there is nothing in this life 
that will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He is our rock. The cross has the final word. Why does the cross have the final word? It's because through redemption, through through the redemption that was bought on the cross, that there is nothing that can separate us from God's love. Whenever we place our faith and our hope in Christ Jesus, when we are born again, there is nothing that can separate us. Not even death itself can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And that is the solid foundation that we stand on here today. That's the foundation that you must stand on in the middle of these times. So what I want to do here today, I want us to pray. I want us to, I want you to pray with me here wherever you are in your living room. I want you to gather together with your kids, with your friends. Wherever you are watching this, I want you to, I want you to bow down together with me. I'm going I'm to get on my knees here this morning. And I want us to bow before our creator and ask for mercy for our state. And ask for mercy for our country. Well, I want us to go before the Lord. Can you pray with me here this morning? Lord, we join the governor of our state here today. God, we join many other Christians in our state here today. And first of all, Lord, we pray for our state, for our communities. God, we bow before you humbly. God, we need you. God, we need you. God, we have to have you, Lord, to intervene. God, without your intervention, Lord, there is no hope apart from you. Lord, we need you. You are our hope. And so, Lord, we ask for your mercy. Lord, forgive us. God, forgive us. Forgive us for our self-reliance. God, forgive us for not really living what we believe in so many ways in times past. Forgive us for taking for granted the things that we have. Lord, forgive us for worshiping false idols in our life. Lord, forgive us for not for not putting you first. Lord, forgive us as a country for rebelling against you. Lord, you don't have to intervene in mercy. But Lord, as your church, as your children, Lord, we are asking, God, that you would move. God, we're asking, Lord, that you would intervene God, I pray that this virus would be stopped. God, I pray that the impact into the lives of our country, Lord, I pray that it would be stopped. God, I pray that the financial impact that people are experiencing now, Lord, I pray that you would move in mighty ways to provide. God, for those that are losing their businesses, for those that have lost their jobs, Lord, I pray that you would move. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we would have never imagined that we'd be here this time, this moment in our world, in our country. 
Lord, I pray that you would break our hearts. Lord, move us to feel what you feel. Lord, move us closer to you. Lord, forgive me, God. I'm not pursuing you with all that I have. Lord, I pray for my church family. God, I pray that you would be with them here today. God, I pray that you would strengthen them, that you would encourage them. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we need you. God, we need you. Press it on our hearts to a greater degree. Lord, I pray that this situation will not just be one that we pass by. God, whenever we are through this situation, I pray that this will not just be a moment in time that we talk back about, we talk about, and do you remember when, do we remember when this happened, that it hasn't really changed us? God, I pray that this moment in our history, the history of our country and our world, that it will be a time that the church recognizes why we are here. That we will not waste this opportunity to realign our lives. That we will not waste this opportunity to boldly declare your truth in the middle of a world that has no hope. God, we submit all these things to you. God, I pray for our leaders, the leaders of our country. God, I pray that you would strengthen them and encourage them. Give them wisdom. Your word says in the book of James that if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. So Lord, I ask for wisdom for myself and I ask for wisdom for the, for the other pastors in our area and in our country. I ask for wisdom for our, 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 our state leaders and our, our national leaders. Give them wisdom, Lord, to make the right decisions. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, above every curse, above every virus, the name that is above every other name. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. How are y'all doing today? Thank y'all for praying with me. Thank y'all for being here. Welcome to church. Church at home. I pray that your family is doing well. I pray that everyone is healthy. Please let us know at, here at church. Our offices are open Monday through Thursday, 8.30 to 3.30. Please, please let us know if you, if you need um, any help. Please let us know if you need food. If you're a part of the more vulnerable population, I just pray that you would just let us know. We don't mind, we don't mind going to get food for you and dropping it off to you. So if you need any help, we have the Caring for the Flock tab that is on our website. If you go to the front part of the website there, it should be there in the top right corner. If you're going on your cell phone, hit the, hit the menu tab and you'll see the Caring for the Flock there. Just let us know if there's any way that we can be a blessing to you and to help you during this time. Amen. Well, it's the second week in a row I've had to come to church without my family, without my wife right here on the front row. 
about my kids. Start crying again. Lord, help us. Uh, I don't like that. And I know that you don't like it either. And I want, you to, I want you to hold on to this reality that what you're doing right now, though it is good and we are thankful for the technology that we have to be able to do this, I'm so grateful that we can still minister to you through, this, through these means. But it is not the best. It is not, it is not what we were made for as a body of believers. There may be a day where that's all we have, but I don't believe we're at that point. And I'm, I'm believing that we will come back into this building. And I'll be able to look at my wife and my kids. I'll be able to look at your face. We'll be able to worship together. So hold on to that hope and pray to that end that, that we'll be able to come back and worship together as one body, as, as, as the body that's represented at Living Word Church. I miss you. I miss my church family. I pray for you every day. I pray that God would continue to bless you and strengthen you. I pray for the for the moms and the dads that are home with their kids trying to help them do schoolwork. God bless you. It is difficult uh, persevering through that. I pray that God would continue to strengthen you during this time. I pray for those that have lost hours, that are struggling, fearful about the future, business owners that are struggling and maybe have to, had to close their business. I, I pray for you that God would help you to make it through, not just make it, but to be ready on the other side of this to continue with your business. So we are in the book of Colossians. And we are looking at Christ. And this is what I felt like in my heart. Leading up to this time. Where we weren't going to be meeting. And, and our meetings were going to be different. I felt like in my heart. That I wanted us to look at Christ. To look at him in his beauty. And his authority. And his power. Look at him for who he is. And at the church in Colossae. The Apostle Paul writes a letter from prison to this church. Epaphras went to give an update to Paul while he was in prison to tell him about the state of the, of the church. And Epaphras was more than likely the one who was the one that, that got saved under Paul's ministry and went and planted this church. And so he goes back and he brings a sober warning to the Apostle Paul about the church in Colossae. And, and, he, and he told them that the church had begun to shift their eyes away from Christ. They begin to shift their eyes away from the supremacy of Christ. They begin to look at other things. They begin to be infiltrated by false teachers who are trying to point them away from the sufficiency of the cross of Christ. And they were looking back into the old ways of Judaism to the law, to regulations and rules, and they were pointing away from Christ is what these false teachers were doing. And then he also was te- he told Paul that they were believing something that was not true about Christ, that Christ was just a, another form of God, that he, he revealed himself in the earth, but that Jesus was not fully God when he walked the earth. And it was an attack on the deity of Christ that this church was experiencing. And so Paul writes this letter, to point the church at Colossae back to Christ. And this is why I wanted to preach through this book during this season. Is I want to point you back to Christ. Christ is the center of all that we do. And there are, it's times like this where we are forced as believers to, to really think deeply about what we believe. Do we believe this word? Do we believe it to be true? Do we believe what the Bible says about Jesus Christ? That he wasn't just a good man that walked the earth and taught good principles about life. 
Do we believe that the word of God is true? And that what it says about Christ is true. That he wasn't just the man that walked the earth, but he was the God-man. And that he died on the cross. And that he absorbed the wrath of God on our behalf. And that he rose from the dead. And that he is seated in heaven right now, as we read in Romans 8. He's interceding for us. And that he is coming back one day. Do we really believe it? And it's moments like this that we must return back to the fundamentals. We must return to the fundamentals because moments of crisis, they, they, they press in on us. Our, our doubts press in on us during times like this. And we must return to what we know to be true, what Christ has revealed to us. And this is why we're studying in the book of Colossians. And so we are in the introduction. We read the first eight verses, and I preached to you last week about what was going on in the church there, and that Christ and that Paul had heard about the faith of the believers at the church in Colossae. He had heard about their faith. He had heard about their hope. He had heard about their increasing fruit. He had heard about their love for one another. And in these next verses, verses 9 through 14, he, he breaks out into a prayer for them. It's such a beautiful prayer. And so I'm titling this message, My Unceasing Prayer for You. My Unceasing Prayer for You. So I have to ask you a question. Have you ever told somebody you'd pray for them, but you never did? Have you ever done that? Told somebody, I'll pray for you. Maybe it was through a text message, or maybe you saw them in person, and they told you what they were going through, and you said, brother, sister, I'll pray for you. And then you hung up the phone, or you walked away, and you never did. We've all done it, right? We've all done it. We've all heard a prayer request. We've all been asked to pray, and we didn't pray. And it reminded me, when I'm thinking about the Apostle Paul praying for the church at, at Colossae, I think about prayer for those that are in need. I thought about an old song from the 90s by Stephen Curtis Chapman. And maybe you know it. It's called Let Us Pray. I just want to read some words from that. I'm not going to sing it because that won't be good for all of us here today, for any of us here today. It says this, I hear you say your heart is aching. You've got trouble in the making. And you ask if I'll be praying for you, please. And in keeping with convention, I'll say yes with good intentions to pray later making mention of your needs. But since we have this moment here at heaven's door, we should start knocking now. What are we waiting for? Let us pray, let us pray. Everywhere, in every way, every moment of the day, it is the right time. For the Father above, he is listening in love, and he wants to answer us. So let us pray. Amen? Isn't that good? Isn't a good reminder? And isn't it true that we so often have good intentions, but we don't pray? And I want to read this section of Scripture from the Apostle Paul, and what he says here is so powerful. He, the Apostle Paul declares... And he wasn't waiting on anything to pray, that he was praying without ceasing. Let's go to, back to the text, Colossians 1, 9 through 14. Let's read this. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father, 
who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Did you catch that? This is what the apostle Paul said. Since we heard. What did he hear? That's what we talked about last week, right? He heard of their faith in Christ. He heard of their love for their, for their brothers and sisters in Christ. And he heard of, about the hope that they have. And he heard about their increasing fruit, the gospel increasing in their life, the gospel moving forward through their witness. He says, so from the day we heard it, we have not ceased to pray for you. Wow. I just love that. I love this picture of the apostle Paul. Now, love his heart for the church, that he did not cease to pray for them when he heard of the work that was beginning in their life, when he heard of the work, when Epaphras came and he told them what was going on, he didn't cease to pray for them. And so that's what I want to tell you here today, is that we need prayer. We need to pray for one another. We need to be faithful in prayer for one another. And Paul is praying He's praying that the church would continue to be established. He's praying that they would come to know who they are in Christ. He's praying against the influence of the false teachers that have come in to point people away from Christ. So what I want to do here today, I want us to look at what this prayer would sound like. And we, we read what he said that he would pray. He prayed for some specific things. And we want to walk through what Paul was praying for the church. So here's what I want to tell you. It's my same prayer for you. This is my prayer for you. This is what the passion of my heart is in prayer. When I pray for you as my brothers and sisters in Christ, this is what I pray. I pray that number one, that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will. That you would be filled with the knowledge of his will. Let's look back at the text. This is what Paul prays. He says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. And here's what he says. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And so he prays. He says, I'm praying that you as believers in Jesus Christ would be filled with with the knowledge of his will. Now when you look at that word knowledge and you study the original languages about that word knowledge, that word knowledge is not connected with this spiritual intuition. It's not connected with a deep inward feeling. It's connected with objective reality. It's, it's, It's the idea that Paul is praying that you would come to have knowledge of the will of God, not some feeling that you have that can fluctuate based upon your circumstances, but he's talking about that you would come to understand, come to know God's certainties, come to know the will of God in your life, that you would be filled with all the knowledge of his will. And so at this point, the word of God has not been completed yet. The New Testament, as we know it, But what he's saying is, is that the testimony that we are giving to you concerning Christ as the apostles, I want you to know the certainty of it. I want you to have this knowledge to know the will of God. But for us as believers in Jesus Christ with a completed set of scriptures, this is the picture that the apostle Paul is saying for us here today. It is my, and this is my prayer for you, is that you would come to know the knowledge of his will. That you would not be led by your emotions and your feelings in your life, even especially in times like this. But I pray that you would be filled 
with the knowledge of the will of God as revealed in the word of God. You know, I put out a video this last week on YouTube and I pray that you were able to see it. And if you haven't seen it, I want to point, it, point you to it right now. If you go to our YouTube channel, just search Living Word Church Homa on YouTube and you'll see our channel there. You can subscribe to the channel there and you'll be able to get access to all the messages that we preach here. Maybe you're watching right now on YouTube Live. That, that is a new option that we have available for you here this morning. But I put, a, I put out a video there. It's about 18 to 20 minutes. It's called Meditating on God's Word. And, and I took 18 to 20 minutes and I just read a series of encouraging scriptures about hard times, about trusting in God, about God's faithfulness. And I just encourage you, go listen to that. Meditate on God's word. Go to your, to your YouVersion Bible app. Listen to God's word. I want you to be filled with the knowledge of his will. There are so many people that they want to know God's will for their life. They're seeking and looking for direction. And God has placed right in front of us the most clear and objective way that we can know his will. But so many people don't want to know that. They're looking for something else. They're looking for some, God, surely God can tell me his will in some other way. He can write it in the clouds or he can write it on a wall. And we look and we, we, we go in every other place to try to find God's will except to scripture. And I pray that today, that these moments like now, that it will force us back to the sufficiency of Scripture. That we would no longer trust just our intuitions and our feelings to guide us and direct us, but we would trust on the solid, true, and trustworthy, and tested revelation of God as revealed in holy Scripture. And that is my prayer for you. It is what Paul is praying for the church at Colossae, that they would stand on what is trusted, that they would stand on what is true. But so many times we look in so many other directions. Now notice what Paul says will happen when we run to God's word. When we stand on it. Look, look, look back at the text there. It says in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He says I want you to be filled with all the knowledge of God's will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Wisdom and understanding. Spirit, Paul uses the word spiritual, to describe the wisdom that they will receive. So when we go to God's word, we receive spiritual wisdom and understanding. There's a difference between spiritual wisdom as revealed in God's word and natural wisdom. Do you know that? I think we all see that, right? There's a huge difference between the way the world views wisdom and understanding and the way a believer views wisdom and understanding. And we get spiritual wisdom and understanding when we are filled with the knowledge of God's will as revealed in God's word. Look at Proverbs fourteen twelve. There is a way that seems right to a man. Natural wisdom, right? There's a way that seems right to a man. It's the way we naturally think. But its end is the way of death. Spiritual wisdom as revealed in God's revealed will through his word or natural wisdom. There's a way. Look at our world today. How many people are going the way in which they think is right? They're following their own ideas and they're, they are rejecting spiritual wisdom. We must have spiritual wisdom which will lead to understanding. Wisdom leads to understanding. And when you have spiritual wisdom that leads to understanding in your life, then you know how to live. Look at 1 Corinthians 2. Paul contrasts spiritual wisdom and natural wisdom in 1 Corinthians 2. It says, and we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. 
interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. What's Paul saying again here in 1 Corinthians 4? He's praying in Colossians 1 that the believers would be filled with the knowledge of God's will so that they can have spiritual wisdom to live in a midst of a world that is relying on natural wisdom. And that wisdom will give us understanding. Have you ever given amazing wisdom to your kids? Us as parents, don't we think that all the wisdom we give is amazing? Sometimes I just look at my kids and I think, they're watching me right now. I just have to tell them here, as they're watching me on TV, your dad has amazing wisdom. You should listen to me more often. (laughs) So parents right now, look at your kids right now, wherever you are, and tell them, you really should listen to me more often. Don't you feel like that sometimes? You think, I have such amazing wisdom, why don't my kids listen to me? Here's the problem. They don't understand you. You're dishing out the wisdom. You're, you're dishing it out constantly. I've got wisdom upon wisdom. So how many times do you, do you tell your kids, I've lived a lot longer than you. I've experienced a lot more than you. And so as a result, I know a whole lot more than you. Right? But what's the problem? No matter how much wisdom you give them, they don't understand. There's a lack of understanding. When they don't live out the wisdom you're giving them, it's because there has not been any understanding. So the same is true for us. If we want to have understanding to live out the truths of God's word, we must have spiritual wisdom. And spiritual wisdom comes from where? Understanding the will of God. And so we must, that, that is such a key prayer. That is my prayer for you. That's why we teach through scripture. Is that we want you to have to the full, the knowledge of the will of God as revealed in his word so that you can have wisdom that will make its way into your life and that you'll live differently. Without understanding that leads to action, you simply become an encyclopedia that collects dust on a shelf. Without understanding that leads to action, you will simply become an encyclopedia of information that that this wisdom must turn to action. So when we fill our minds with the word of God and we gain spiritual wisdom, as in contrast to natural wisdom, that wisdom must turn to action or it is just knowledge like an encyclopedia on a shelf. Look back at the text. This is what it says. So it says, and so from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you be filled with all the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. What does it say there? So as, so as, that means this is the reason why I want you to be filled with knowledge of his will and wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Amen? That's the point. This is why we are in the book. This is why we are in scripture. It's so that we can live in the middle of this world and we can live in a way that is fully pleasing to him. That's, that's point A to point Z right there. Point A is to be filled with the knowledge of God through his word. And point Z, the point of it all from the beginning to the end is that we would live our life in such a way that it's fully pleasing to him that that knowledge turns to action. That the knowledge turns to a full revelation of who Christ is and it impacts our heart and then it eventually impacts our life. So we walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. This is the heart of Paul's prayer. I want you to know the fullness of Christ. I want you to know his will. 
to know what pleases him because that is where true wisdom and understanding comes from. Spiritual wisdom and understanding. And it's that kind of wisdom and understanding that will change your life. You will be a fruit-bearing tree that flourishes in every season. That's the point, right? Wherever we are, in the middle of the chaos and drama in our culture, we want to be fruit-bearing trees. But it, 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 you will not be a fruit-bearing tree in your life until you go back to A, until you go back to the beginning. These are the fundamentals. You must be filled with the knowledge of God's will as revealed in Scripture. And what's the promise? Promise is Psalm 1, 1 through 4. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. What's he saying there? What's the psalmist saying there in Psalm 1? Blessed is the man that doesn't lean on natural wisdom. Blessed is the man that doesn't lean on what the world is saying is most important in this life. Blessed is the man who walks, walks not in the counsel of the wicked, in the wisdom of the wicked. Verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates both day and and night. And what's the promise? He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. So my prayer for you here today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, is that in the middle of a wasteland, in the middle of a desert land, that if we will be filled with the knowledge of God's will as revealed in his word, that we will be like a tree that is planted even in the wilderness. And, but, but even in the wilderness, it'll, it'll be like our tree. It's planted by rivers of waters. And that because we are planted in Christ, that we will bear fruit in every single season we face even in difficulty so my unceasing prayer for you is that you will be filled with the knowledge of God's will a knowledge that will cause you to increase in spiritual wisdom and understanding and that that wisdom and understanding would be lived out in your life that's the first part of the prayer the apostle Paul prays for the church at Colossae and it is my prayer for you that you would be filled with all understanding spiritual understanding of God's will secondly Secondly, that you would be strengthened with all power. This is the next part of his prayer. Let's go back to the text, that you would be strengthened with all power. It says there, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Paul is praying that the believers would be strengthened with power for the Christian life. The power that is available to us comes from God himself. He's praying that we will be filled with the power. And he says that this power that is available to us, he says that it would be according to God's glorious might. Have you ever, have you ever watched the World's Strongest Man competition? Have you ever watched that? They used to play him. I don't, know, I don't know if they still play him nowadays, but they used to be on ESPN or some other channels. You got these guys, they come out, and I mean, their muscles are just coming out of their clothes. Most of the time, they don't have much clothes on because they, they don't ever fit anything because they're so huge. And they come in, and, and they're like flipping cars, and they're carrying all these logs, and, and they're just strong, and, and, and they're, they, they're, pulling, they're pulling like boats, big, huge boats connected to chains, and they're I mean, they're just doing all kind of crazy things, these amazing feats of strength. And you look at them and, and you think, 
Can anybody be stronger than that? When you look at the world's strongest man, you think, how is it that they have so much strength? And when the Apostle Paul prays that we would be filled with all power, he says that that, all, that, that power that we, he wants us to be filled with is according to the might of our glorious God. So when you look, when you look at the power, the most powerful man, the strongest man on the planet, the power of that man pales in comparison. It does, it's not even a blip on the radar compared to the power, the limitless power of God. To have the power of the strongest person on the planet doesn't even tip the scales in comparison to the might of our God. And Paul's prayer for the church is that they would be strengthened with that limitless power. You guys get that here today. This is Paul's prayer. This is my prayer for you, that you would be filled with that type of limitless power in your everyday life. So how does that take place? How are we filled with God's power? We are filled with God's power. God's power is manifested in the life of the believer through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's how it's done. It's God in us. He dwells in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told the disciples that that they would be filled with power when the Holy Spirit came. Look back at Acts 1.8. But you will receive power. This is before the ascension. This is after the resurrection, before Jesus ascended. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And this is where we see the birth of the New Testament church. The birth of the church came when the Holy Spirit came in power and came upon and came and dwelled in the believers. And so now everyone that places their faith in Jesus, you are baptized into Christ and you are baptized into the Spirit and you are filled to the fullness of God through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And so this is the prayer that the Apostle Paul is praying that you would be filled with all of that power, that you would come to know that that power is on the inside of you. Paul prayed in Ephesians 3, listen to this. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through what? Through his spirit in your inner being. That's what Paul is praying, that you would be strengthened with all the power of God through the Holy Spirit in your inner being. Don't we need that here today? I mean, we, we need it every season of our life, right? But it's times like this where we look at the world all around us and we think, Lord, I need some power. I need strength today. And I'm here to tell you that if you're a b- believer in Jesus Christ, that the Spirit dwells within you and you have this promise. You are strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit. But here's the problem, is that sometimes we, we, we don't live in accordance with the reality that God has revealed to us in Scripture, and we allow ourselves to be controlled or filled with other spirits. Listen to the commandment in Ephesians 5, 17 through 18. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. When you translate that phrase, but be filled with the Spirit, it means, it can be translated like this, be being continually filled. It's a command in Ephesians 5. Apostle Paul gives a command from Scripture that we would be 
being continually filled. And he contrasts. He says, don't get drunk with wine. So you can be, you're going to be filled with something. You're going to allow either the Holy Spirit who lives within you to fill your life and control your life, or you're going to allow other substances to control your life, whether it's alcohol, drugs, sexual pleasure, whether it's TV, whether it's Netflix, whether it's the opinions of man, whether it's the cable news network, whatever it is, whatever other areas in your life, they're, they're, they're going to either control you or, or move you in your life, or you're going to be controlled or be being continually filled or controlled by the Holy Spirit. And we need to be filled continually by the Spirit's power in our life. Look, look back at Acts 13. This is Paul's first missionary journey. It says, And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of prominence and the leading men of the city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust of their feet. So there's persecution. There's difficulty. We are in difficulty. We are in times of stress. It says, so they shook off the dust of their feet and protested against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were what? Continually filled with joy and with the Spirit and with the Holy Spirit. It's a decision that we make. We need to come before the Lord. We need to say, Lord, fill me today. I need your power today. Psalms 23, it talks about that, the, that our good shepherd will anoint our head with oil. And an anointing on our head with oil is a picture of the anointing of the Holy Spirit that daily our good shepherd is ready through the power of the Spirit to give us anointing for the day, to give us power for the day. And we must choose to push out all the other things in our life. That will drown out the Spirit's control. We must choose to say no to the flesh and to say yes to the filling of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill us here today. Fill me today. Fill me so much that there's nothing in my life that drowns out your presence. That drowns out the revelation of who you are. That's the prayer that we must pray in our life. Paul is praying for the church that they would be strengthened with power, a power that resides in them through the power of the Spirit. Now, what does that type of filling, that power, produce in our lives? Let's look back at the text. Again, similar to the first section that we looked at. It says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for something. Why do we need to be filled with the Spirit? We need it for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the Father. So three things, endurance and patience, joy and thanksgiving. Aren't those things we need right now? (laughs) Think about how relevant God's word is in every season of our life. Whether it's through situations we face right now or the things that are coming in the future. Why do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day? Why do we need to pray, God, fill me with your spirit and your spirit's control today, anoint me today For what you have in front of me, why? Because there'll be times where we need endurance and patience to persevere, to endure, but to not just endure and have patience, but to do it with joy, to have joy in our heart, and then to be thanks, to have thanksgiving, to be thankful. We need the filling of the Spirit so we will have endurance, patience, joy, and thanksgiving. So when a believer is filled with the knowledge of God through the Word, when they are continually yielding themselves to the control of the Holy Spirit's power, they are empowered to walk in endurance and patience under any circumstance. They are filled with the joy of the Lord and it gives them strength. And they have hearts of thanksgiving 
for all the Lord has provided in their life. And then here's what I want to tell you. We got to hang on and cling to a heart of thanksgiving. And we need the Spirit's control in our life to be thankful today. Because so many of us, we're all out of our routines. We're all struggling. We're thinking about how we're going to have provision for the next day and the week after that and the month after that. Is the economy going to continue to go down? Will I have my job back? Will I make the income that I need? And we must fight to be thankful. With food and clothing, we'll be content. But that mindset will only come when we start right here. And we're filled with the knowledge of the will of God through his word. And that knowledge gives us wisdom and understanding. And that wisdom and understanding is lived out in our life. And then we pray on a daily basis that God would fill us with his spirit. And that we would drown out the other thoughts and ideas and mindsets, natural wisdom in our world. We drown out those and not be controlled by those. A thankful heart comes from a heart that is filled and controlled by the spirit's power. This is my prayer for you. So what's the third prayer? As we transition here, we get ready for a conclusion here. What is the third thing that the Apostle Paul prays? Let's go back to the text before I tell you my third point. It says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And to me, this verse 13 right here is the foundation of everything. This is the reason why we can have the knowledge of God's will. This is the reason why we can have access to the power of God, to the limitless power of God in our life. It is verse 13. Put it back up there. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So here's the prayer I believe the apostle Paul would pray. And here's what I pray for you, that number three, that you would remember your deliverance. That you would remember your deliverance. Remember that you have been delivered from the domain of darkness. Remember that you've been transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. God drew you out from the domain of darkness. Do you remember that time when you were under the power and the control of sin and Satan? Of Satan and sin? Do you remember that time when you only lived according to the dictates of your flesh? And you didn't submit to God and his ways? Remember when you were under the domain of darkness, but God drew you out and transferred you because of your faith in Christ. He transferred you to the kingdom of his beloved son. Here's what needs to be true in our lives. Here's what we need to know. Believers do not need deliverance. Hear me. Believers do not need deliverance from the dominion of sin and Satan. They need to act as those who have been delivered. Did you hear that? Let's read it again. Believers do not need deliverance from the dominion of sin and Satan. They need to act as those who have been delivered. That's the truth. We have been delivered. Remember your deliverance. When it says here that we were used to be under the, the domain, that word domain is translated to mean jurisdiction, power, and authority. Before you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you were under the jurisdiction, the power, and the authority of Satan. Before you became a believer in Jesus Christ, he had jurisdiction in your life. He had power in your life, and he had authority in your life. But now that you're a believer, you've been transferred from his jurisdiction, from his power, and from his authority, and he has no say-so or right in your life. Remember, my prayer is that you would remember your deliverance. 
What were you before? Look at 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. So this is those who don't know Christ. In their case, the God, Satan, the lowercase God of this world, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. This is who we were. We were in the domain of darkness. We were blinded by the God of this world. We were blinded by pleasures, by the pleasures of this life. This is the sway of the world. This is the push of the world. But through faith in Christ, we are delivered. Light shines in the darkness. 1 Peter 5 says that we should be sober-minded because your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He's prowling around seeking somebody to, to devour, to deceive, to keep them in blindness. But we have been transferred through faith in Christ. That word transferred, it means to remove or to change. To remove or to change. So follow me. You were under the jurisdiction, the power, and the control of Satan. You placed your faith in Christ, and now you have been removed, and you have been changed. Amen? I wish you were here shouting right now. I think some of you would be right here shouting. The ones that are here watching, they're not shouting because it's going on live stream. But I'm, I'm not, you know, it's hard to preach when I ain't got no people talking back to me. <laughs> but shout me down in your living room right now. Maybe, maybe, maybe you don't feel it, but you need to remember your deliverance. You used to be under the control of Satan, but you have been removed. You have been changed. We have been changed. Second Corinthians 5 says that you, we are new creations in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away. The new has come. We are no longer under the control of our flesh or are under the control of Satan. Look at Galatians 1, 3 through 5. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to do what? To deliver us from the present evil age. We've been delivered and transferred to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. So if you are in Christ, you are no longer in the grip of Satan. If you belong to Christ, you place your faith in him. So if you're watching this here today and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, I want to tell you, you're not in the grip of God. You're in the grip of Satan. You're under his domain, his jurisdiction, his control, and his power. And if you want to be free from sin, you want to be free from oppression, you want to be free from the guilt of your sin that stands against you and a holy God, you can be transferred today from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son, Jesus Christ, right now by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. And if you do that today, if you've done that in the past, you're no longer in the grip of Satan, you're in the grip of God. You belong to him. And if you're in his grip, you're in his grip. He doesn't let you go, does he? You know, there's nothing. I, I pray this with my kids on a regular basis. I end my prayers like this. I, I say this. I say, God, I pray that my children would come to know, would, would know that there's nothing that they could do that would stop me from loving them. And when we belong to God, the same is true. We are in his grip. We belong to him. We can never be in Satan's grip any longer, never in his control, never in his jurisdiction, never under his power. Why? Because we've been transferred. We've been removed. A believer has been removed from the control of Satan, and he is under the control and in the grip of God. 
And that's what John 10 tells us. Listen to what our good shepherd tells us in John 10. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. How Do you want to know if you're a sheep of God? Are you following Christ? My sheep know my voice and they follow me. If you're not following God, you may not be a sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Listen, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. It's good news here today. No one will snatch us. This is what we read in Romans 8. What can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? Shall death, shall tribulation, shall toil, shall struggle, shall persecution, shall famine, nakedness, danger, sword? No. In all of these, we are more than conquerors through Christ that has loved us. And in John 10, it says the same thing, that no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater. Oh, that is so good. That is so good. I love it. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. When you've been delivered and transferred by faith in Jesus, you belong to God. No matter what goes on around you, you will never be separated from the love of Christ. If you are in Christ, you're a new creation. If you are in Christ, your eyes have been opened now. You see clearly in the middle of a world of chaos. If you belong to Christ, you see clearly in the middle of a world of chaos. I want to tell you something real quick. So important for you to understand this. I, put, I have these two thoughts here. Lower level thinking versus higher level thinking. Lower level thinking versus higher level thinking. I want you to dwell on this idea. If you are in Christ, your eyes are open now. You see clearly in the middle of a world of chaos. And I want to challenge you to not dwell in lower level thinking. Don't dwell in this time, in this season, in the way that the world thinks. We're not of the world. This is not our home. You must have higher level thinking. You, we must have our eyes up on the reality of who Christ is. We must not dwell in lower level thinking. Yes, Take precautions, social distance, worry about your health, make sure that you stay healthy, go to the doctor if you're sick. But you, we cannot dwell in lower level thinking because the world is controlled by earthly thinking. But we have been what? Delivered from darkness. And we have been transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. So now we live on a higher plane. We live above the fray. We live above the world in a way of thinking that they don't understand. That's what we read earlier in Corinthians. That spiritual things cannot be discerned by the natural mind. It's only spiritual people that can discern spiritual higher level truths. And so in the middle of this time that we're living, because you were in Christ, you must fight to push aside lower level thinking. And you must fight to think high. I want to challenge you. Fight to think godly things. Fight to believe that the sky is not falling. Fight to believe that we will make it through this. Don't be sucked into the vortex. It's a vortex of negativity. It's a vortex that's trying to pull you down into lower level thinking. You must stand on the reality that if God called us to this time, he is our strength and he will sustain us. Even if we go through pain, and even if some people we love dies, fight for the higher level thinking. 
that God's in control. That's a higher level thinking. It's a higher level way of thinking. God is in control, not man. Remember your deliverance. You are not of this world. You were transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God. The narrative in our world today is constantly changing. But our God never does. We must continually see the world around us through the lens of who we are in Christ. Through the lens of what he has accomplished. And through the lens of what our place, in God's, what our place is in God's story. In his story. In his story. What is our place in his story? That's the type of higher level thinking we must fight to have. Because the day is coming, my brothers and my sisters. My loved ones. The day is coming. It actually is now. Where God is using us now as a part of his plan. His plan of redemptive history. But the day's coming when we're going to be able to do it at a greater level. When the restrictions are going to come down. And we're going to come back to some semblance of normalcy in our life. And the question is going to be is, is how are we going to respond to that? Are we going to be filled with the Spirit? Are we going to fight for the knowledge of his will as revealed in his word? Are we going to submit ourselves daily to the filling of God's spirit to control our thinking, to anoint our minds every day? Are we going to live in lower level thinking or higher level thinking? Are we going to walk according to flesh or are we going to walk according to spirit when things go back to normal? What are we going to do? And my, my desire, my prayer is that we would never be the same because of this. It's my prayer for my life. It's my prayer for this church, and it's my prayer for the churches across this world that this situation would be a catalyst, that it wouldn't just turn into another 9-11 situation where after 9-11, all the churches were filled for two weeks, three weeks. And then we started traveling again. We had more restrictions again. And then we just went back to lower level thinking. You know, it's times like this. It's talking to Somebody before service, there's times like this where we are forced to evaluate if we really believe what we believe. So that's my question to you here this morning. Do you believe that God is real? Do you believe that Jesus is true? That he died on the cross and rose from the grave? You have to know in the depth of your heart that the gospel is true. Or you will return to lower level thinking. You will return to the sway of the world. When we get back to normal, it's kind of like this is how I see it. It's like a current that pulls. Right now the current is stopped, right? To some degree. We stopped as a world. But the current's going to pick up steam. Once we get back to sports. Once we get back to our routines. We get back to school. We get back to our jobs. The current's going to pick up steam. And so what are we going to do? We're going to jump back into the stream as believers in Jesus Christ. And get swept up into the current. Or are we going to realize that we're in this situation for a reason? Because the world needs us to be louder. The world needs us to declare clearer the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's my challenge to all of us. It's my prayer. Paul prayed it. We pray it here today. That we'd be filled with the knowledge of his will. That we'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that we would remember that we'd never forget our deliverance. Amen. Can I pray for you here today? Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for gathering. 
Thank you for not just listening to me. Thank you for listening to God's word as I, as I taught God's word. Thank you for gathering as, as a church family in many different places. I love you, and I'm praying for you. And uh, if you don't know, on, if you're not on Facebook or you're on Facebook, you're not following our Living Word page, um, I'm currently doing Monday through Friday. I'm doing a, at 10 a.m. every morning. I'm doing a word of encouragement, and we're praying. I invite you to come 10 a.m., I'm going to get back into God's word, going to teach it, going to explain it, going to encourage you. We're going to pray together. So I invite you to join me tomorrow morning. Thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving. What a blessing. Thank you. I, 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 am, I am not going to, I have decided in my heart, I'm not going to ask anybody for money because we're all struggling. But many of you have been so faithful in your giving. Thank you so much. You don't, you, you, you have choices to make. And when we're in situations like this, you have to take care of your family, provide for your family, pay your bills. And the fact that many of you are still giving, what a blessing. And thank you for that. So I just pray that you would continue to increase and be blessed, you'd be protected. I pray the truths of this message would be lived out in your life. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word changes us. And God, I just pray God, that the prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for the church at Colossae would be true in our life, that we'd be filled with the knowledge of your will through your word, and that that knowledge would go from wisdom to understanding that we would live differently in this world, that we would live not with lower-level thinking, but higher-level thinking, spiritual thinking. I pray, Lord, that we would be controlled by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would not be controlled by our flesh, by our impulses, and by by the pull of sin. And God, I pray also, Lord, that we would never forget that we have been delivered from the power, from the jurisdiction, from the control of Satan, and we've been transferred into the kingdom of Jesus Christ and that we are in his grip. God, I pray that you'd press those truths onto all of our hearts. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you, and I will see you next week.